0: Well, this morning we're going to continue our series in Acts. We'll be looking at the Paul's final address to the Ephesian elders in Acts chapter 20, verses 17 through 38. If you can turn there now in your Bibles, we'll get started in just a minute. But I want to first set the stage for you, both for this week and and next week. In today's text and next week's, Paul and others get a message from the Holy Spirit, a message from God. This week, we'll look at what the Holy Spirit has prompted Paul to say to his friends from the Ephesian church as a type of last words, a type of exhortation. Next week, Pastor Todd and I, together, we'll preach from Acts 21, where the Holy Spirit speaks to multiple groups and it's interpreted differently. How do we evaluate the Holy Spirit's promptings in our life? I hope you join us next week to discover that, but today we will look at Paul's last words to the elders of the church of Ephesus. Now, sometimes... When Paul gave these last words, last words are a powerful thing. They're chosen carefully by the speaker. They often, by the listeners, are things that they will remember for the rest of their lives. I remember clearly when my grandfather, Eskel Norbeck, was dying. That's who I get my middle name from, Eskel. And he was dying, and my father decided to bring him home so he could die at home surrounded by loved ones, and Dad put him in my bedroom. Unfortunately, he was dying of kidney failure, and he didn't want any dialysis, so he quickly went into a coma. And for three days, my dad, when he wasn't working, sat by his bedside, hoping for one last chance to say some things that needed to be said, and hopefully to hear some things that he needed to hear. You see, my father and my grandfather were products of their Scandinavian culture, who often hold their emotions in check. They were also strong men who had seen much evil and had experienced much tragedy in their lives, and they tended to keep that bottled up inside of them, like we men often tend to do. Well, God was amazingly merciful. And one day when my father came home from work, he went into the bedroom because he thought the end was near. And he was surprised to go into the bedroom and see my grandfather sitting up in bed, awake and alert. He had to pinch himself to see if this was really true, if he was dreaming, because in all his 30 years of medical practice, he had never seen someone come out of a coma from kidney failure. Grandpa told my dad to pull up a chair as he had some things to say. He told him that God had told him that he was going home soon to heaven. And God was giving him an opportunity, one last chance to make things right with his son. My grandpa told my dad that he loved him, that he was proud of him. He asked forgiveness for things that he had done and said over the years. And he told my dad to stay close to the Lord Jesus Christ, to walk with him each day. My dad responded, told his dad that he loved him and that he understood. For over two hours, they shared together. And suddenly, my grandfather looked up and said, Dave, do you see it? And dad said, see what, dad? Dad? With that, my grandpa breathed his last and was gone from this world. My father swore that his face glowed. Last words. Words of healing. Words of instruction. Words of love. In today's text, we'll see that the last words the Holy Spirit gave the Apostle Paul to the leaders he had discipled for over three years. What were these words that Paul chose through the power of the Holy Spirit? Well, first, he said that God's work will be accomplished through people. Second, God's work will require suffering and submission to the Holy Spirit. And third, God's work strengthens and builds up. Believers, would you pray with me? Almighty Father, thank you for giving my father and granddad a chance to have last words. Thank you for having Dr. Luke record Paul's last words to his brothers from Ephesus. Thank you that you care so much for us that you gave your only son, Jesus, to die in our place for our sins. Thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit to prompt us and to help us to live like Christ, to care for each other, to encourage one another, and to boldly share the good news of Jesus with others. Now, help us apply these last words of Paul to our own lives and to our church. This I pray in the mighty name of Christ. Amen. Today, we're going to look at our text in three different sections. And in this first section, we'll see that God's work focuses on people. Follow along now as I read verses 17 through 24 of Acts chapter 20. Now from Miletus, he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church to come to him. And when they came to him, he said to them, and of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And now, behold, I am going to Jerusalem, constrained by the Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and afflictions await me. But I do not account my life of any value, nor nor as precious to myself. If only, if only I may finish my course and the ministry that I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. Now from last week, from verse 16, we know that Paul now desires to go to Jerusalem and he desires to get there by Pentecost, which would have been the end of May in A.D. 57. I have a new map for you today. I like this map because it's got lots of colors. It kind of shows you the different areas that we've been talking about. This is a map of Paul's third missionary journey. And last week, we found Paul in Troas here and he went down to Assos, and then to Mytilene, to Chios, to Samos, and he finally arrived down here right there at Miletus. Now Miletus is 30 miles due south of Ephesus. Um, However, there's a mountain range in between these two towns, so the elders from Ephesus would have had to travel about 62 miles to get down to Ephesus. So it would have taken them about six days to get there. Now, from chapter 19 that we looked at two weeks ago, we know that Paul was recently in Ephesus, and he got entangled in some legal matters with the silversmiths who had lost business because of the gospel that Paul was preaching. He was saying, turn away from your idols and turn to the living God. Well, the silversmiths made idols, so they were losing business, so they were unhappy, and it caused the big controversy. Well, Paul wants to avoid getting embroiled in that controversy again. But he deeply desires to have a face-to-face with these Ephesian elders, the leadership of this church, before he heads to Jerusalem. Now, his plan, as we learned last week, is to head to Rome. And after Rome, they go to Spain. We know that from the letter that he wrote to the Roman church, that he wrote in Corinth, and he's already sent that letter, so he knows that's his plan. But he has a sense from the Spirit that hardship awaits him including more time in prison as the Holy Spirit has testified to him over and over again in multiple cities. He doesn't know the specifics, but he knows it'll be a time of trial for him. But this is not Paul's first rodeo with suffering for Christ. He knows what that feels like. He knows what that looks like and what it means for him. But he also knows that God's power is made perfect, in his weakness, as well as in ours. As we'll see more next week, Paul is constrained by the Spirit. That means he is pushed forward by the Spirit. That means he is hemmed in by the Spirit. That means he has not given any options from the Spirit but to head up to Jerusalem, like his master Jesus did. He knows he can't control the circumstances but he can control his own obedience to Christ. Now, Paul has administered to these uh, Ephesian elders for over three years. It's the longest stay he had in almost any area. He had appointed these men to leadership of the church, and he developed a close relationship with them. He had personally trained each one, discipling them in the truths of Jesus' teaching. Life on life, Day after day for over three years. But now he has this sense from the spirit that this will be his last visit with these men. So he needs to make sure to leave them on solid footings, on a sure foundation that they can build the church. He boldly um, he tells them that he wants to first He has this sense from the Holy Spirit that this is going to be his last visit, um, and he needs to really make sure that they're in a good place before he leaves. This is the only place in Acts that Dr. Luke gives us an address to fellow Christians. It has an air of Paul's letters to um, the churches, and he first reminds them the example that he himself, Paul himself, has lived out. How he boldly testified, both publicly and privately, the same message, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Paul realizes that from here on out, this church in Ephesus will only thrive as these men depend on Jesus Christ and his Holy Spirit and no longer on Paul himself. Paul basically is having a graduation ceremony for these men. They have finished their coursework in Paul University and now they must go on without him. He reminds them of how he himself copied the Lord Jesus. He became a servant, a slave to the will of God, serving with humility, which means he put others' needs ahead of his own. His life and his comfort are no matter to him anymore. His only goal is to finish the race that Jesus has set before him. Come what may. He knows that God's grace will lead him and sustain him. It will involve a total life commitment to his task, an absolute dedication to all aspects of his ministry, and a resolute and determined willingness to bear pain and suffering. This section reminds us that God's work involves primarily people. Not buildings, not programs, not methods, not strategies. All those things are tools that we use to build relationships with people and bring them to Christ. You know, early on here at the bridge, one of our core values was people over production. And what that means is we build into the lives of people, discipling them in Christ, sharing Christ. And the gospel message with everyone that God brings across our path. God has planted us right where He wants us to share the message of Christ with those in our sphere, in your sphere. He desires that all men must become reconciled to Him and repentance from sin and faith in Jesus' work on the cross. But this people first. Mentality also means that we give our lives away in relationship to others, serving others. Finish the race that Christ has assigned to you. Serve one another. Submit to the work of the Holy Spirit in producing lives of the people God brings into your life. Fruit for the kingdom. The lives of men and women who come to Christ through you being obedient to the Spirit are the eternal rewards of heaven. Nothing is more precious to God than the lives of his image bearers, than the restored relationships with his children. So we see that God, from this section, God cares deeply for people, and he wants us to go and do likewise. But in this next section, we'll see that God's work also requires submission to the Holy Spirit and sometimes will require suffering on our part. Follow along now as I read verses 25 through 31. And now, behold, I know that none of you among whom I have gone about proclaiming the kingdom will see my face again. Paul now tells the elders the heart of the matter. God's work require suffering and submission to Christ through his Holy Spirit. Paul is leaving. They're going to have to go on without him. He reminds them of the charge of the watchman from Ezekiel 3, verses 17 through 20. Here Ezekiel states, if the watchmen of Israel fail to alert the people of the coming trouble, he is held accountable for their lives. But if he warns the people and they don't respond, their blood is on their own hands. Paul feels he has carried out his watchman duties. He's proclaimed the good news of the kingdom of Jesus to all who would listen, including all those in the area of Ephesus. He now lays that watchman burden on the elders of Ephesus. Now, Paul uses two words here to describe these men. The first word is the Greek presbyteroi, which literally means the elder ones, those with age, experience, and wisdom. And the second word he uses here is episkopoi, which means overseer, one who bears the responsibility for safeguarding the flock seeing that things are done the correct way. Now, these two terms are used interchangeably by Paul and the apostles to describe elders. It wasn't until later on in the second century where that second term, episcopoi, began to be used for an office of the church called bishop. So it was kind of extended beyond its original meaning. Paul now tells the elders how to carry out their duty. Elders, pay attention. First, take care of your own relationship with Christ. Live out your call, given and empowered by the Holy Spirit. Don't be so busy shepherding that you neglect your relationship to the owner of the flock. Let me repeat that. Don't be so busy shepherding that you neglect your relationship with the owner of the flock. You can't be an under-shepherd if you don't know and talk often with the great shepherd. Second, watch over the whole flock, even the ones who are wanderers, who are stubborn. I grew up on a farm, and we had a whole flock of sheep. And there was always one or two that would get out of the flock and go off and get in trouble and try to escape from the farm, and we'd have to go track them down and bring them back. I will tell you, sheep do not have the highest intelligence of all the animal kingdom. And it's interesting that the Bible chose that metaphor to describe us. But here Paul is saying, you have to watch over the whole flock. Watch over the poor and the rich, the minority and the majority, the males and the females, all who God gives and calls to become one with him. Don't overlook any that God has entrusted to you Because remember, they belong to him. You know, uniquely here in the New Testament, Dr. Luke says that God purchased them with his own blood. Well, there are various interpretations of that phrase, but I think most commentators believe he's referring here to Christ's blood, which means it costs God dearly to bring mankind back to himself. Finally, Paul tells the elders, to guard the good deposit of the gospel. There will be those who will be followers of the evil one who will twist and distort the good news of Jesus. They are to be on guard for false teachers as well as empty world philosophies like Gnosis. Paul and Jesus refer to these types as fierce wolves. Those who look at the sheep as something their own personal gain, who are faithless, who are greedy, who are treacherous, who are pestilent. That means they infect others <laughs> like COVID. Boo, bad COVID. How many people are sick of COVID? Yeah. I know I am. So these guys are like COVID. They may even start out as one of the elders themselves. The elders are to teach and preach the gospel as given by God's word as taught by Paul. Now, from the letter to John, from by John the Apostle in 1 and 2 John to the Ephesus area, because that's where he wrote that letter, those letters from Ephesus, a generation later, this prophecy turned out to be true. False teachers did come. In fact, in the book of Revelation, the Ephesian church is called out by John for losing its first love, but they're also praised for resisting the heresy of the Nicolaitans, who were a cultric, uh, work, pagan worship. Now this also appears to be affirmed by St. Ignatian, who was John's disciple a generation later when he wrote the Ephesian church and congratulated them on their doctrinal integrity. So they took Paul's warning seriously. Now these imperatives to the Ephesian elders continue down through the millennia to all elders and all churches who call Christ Jesus Lord. Paul laid out in the letters to Titus and Timothy, he gave directions for all the churches and all the elders throughout time who follow Jesus Christ. And we, trend, we follow those same rules here at our church. Our own elder board here at the bridge works hard to hold each other accountable in our walk with God by doing three things. First, we encourage each other to read God's word. What are you reading in God's word? Are you doing it daily? So we can see what is the Holy Spirit teaching us? Second, we allow the Holy Spirit to mold our character to become more like Christ. What are we working on in our own character that is not like Christ? So we can see what is the Spirit changing in us? And finally, we encourage each other to evangelize non-believers, to disciple other believers so we can see what is the Spirit doing through us. Although this section gives commands to the elders of the church, the principles hold true to all of us as we are all a priesthood of believers, as the Apostle Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 2. If you're a parent, these truths will help you your parenting. If you're hearing the word of God, be like the Bereans and check the teaching to make sure it comports with the word of God. We all should guard the good deposit of the gospel that we have been given. That the elders are responsible before God to be the watchmen for the gospel in this generation and in this church. They are to be willing to suffer and serve God's flock because God calls us to care for people like he does. To be willing to suffer, to be willing to sacrifice, to be willing to submit, to be willing to serve his people. Now in this last section, we will see that God's work also entails strengthening, building up, and protecting believers. along with me as I read verses 32 through 38. And now, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I coveted no one's silver or gold or apparel, And there was much weeping on the part of all. They embraced Paul and, they, and kissed him and being sorrowful most of all because of the word he had spoken that they would not see his face again. And they accompanied him to the ship. In this section, Paul gives his last words to his dear friends. He leaves them in God's capable and loving care. God will build them up and give them an inheritance with Christ. Paul states again that he never took advantage of any man. Like Samuel, he can end his ministry with a clear conscience. He asks them to remember, to care for the weak among them, as God does for his very own. He reminds them of the blessing that comes from caring for the downtrodden. He's saying that there is... He's not saying that there's no blessing when we receive. When others give to us, that's an obvious blessing. It's straightforward. We receive from them a blessing in either their time or their, their money or whatever we may be needing. But what he's saying is when we help others in need, we take on the character of Christ, and that is the ultimate blessing. Now, Paul here is not quoting any specific verse from the gospel. He's probably thinking of when Jesus said, If you do this to the least of these, you're doing it unto me, from Matthew 25. This is why here at the Bridge Church, we use, the elders use the Benevolence Fund to help those in need. And we thank you for giving to that fund, for being so faithful to that fund and allowing us to steward your funds to people in need. And I pray that as the Holy Spirit prompts you, that you will continue to give to that fund as there continue to be significant needs in our congregation. Finally, there's a a tenderness in these verses as these men yield their wills to God and ask for his provision and protection for Paul. There's a sadness of parting that demonstrates the depth of relationship that is formed between these men. I can tell you that when you leave the elder board, there are some things you don't miss. You don't miss having to make really difficult decisions on complex issues that affect people's lives. You don't miss all the reading that the elder chairman gives you. But one thing everyone misses is the bond of friendship that is forged by mutual service to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You know, women seem to find this more easily than men but men need it just as much. We need to work hard to provide it to every man, whether it be in small groups, in Bible studies, or men's groups. Paul finished his work in this area by building up and strengthening the believers. As Jesus said goodbye to his disciples at the Last Supper and in John 15 through 17, so now too Paul says goodbye to his friends and disciples. God's work is... Demands nothing less. In conclusion, there's a sadness in these verses, but also a determination to follow Christ wherever he leads. For Paul, he realizes that he's being asked by the Holy Spirit to follow in the footsteps of Christ, to suffer for Christ's kingdom. Paul was resolute to follow Jesus wherever he led. How about us? Are we resolute to follow Christ wherever he leads us? Are we willing to lose some of our comforts and to suffer for Christ's kingdom? How will we finish our race? Limping into home or running hard to get to see Jesus and hear those famous words, well done, my good and faithful servant. Let me close by asking you, what last words would you share with those you love, with those that you have discipled, those that you poured your life into, You know, you don't have to wait to the hour of your death to do that as God may not give you the opportunity that he gave to my dad and grandpa. Seize the opportunity you have this very day to declare to those you love what's most important. The great news of Jesus, what he has taught you over your years here on earth. Remember, It's not what you have produced that matters. It's the people that you have developed relationships and led to Christ with you, that you serve Jesus, that matter. It matters for all eternity. (laughs) So suffer and sacrifice for them. Protect and guard them. Build them up and encourage them in Christ Jesus. And then be ready to follow Christ wherever he leads you. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for leading us. Thank you for caring for us so much and setting an example for us with Jesus and with the Apostle Paul. Empower us this week, perhaps even this very day, this very hour, to share the good news of Jesus to those we love, to build each other up and encourage one another, to sacrifice and serve one another. Prompt us with your Holy Spirit to follow Jesus wherever he leads us. Make us strong and courageous. Help us to finish our race that you have assigned to us. This I pray in the name of the one we follow. Jesus Christ. Amen.